And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So we've had so much stuff that is remote. We've got remote work, remote school, remote investing, which is what we're going to talk about today. And everything's remote. The world got so small because the internet got so big. Going to get into that and so many more things today. Before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustles powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. If you're unaware, that's my business and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. When you go to Fullscale.io, it takes like two minutes to fill out the form and let us match you up with people that can help you build tech. With me today, I've got Johnny Wolf, and Johnny is the CEO and founder of Homeroom, and that's a real estate tech company. You can go to uh, uh, Live. Do we say Live or Live, Johnny? It's it's Live Homeroom. That tells <laughs> that tells you that tells you how my memory is working today. But straight out of my hometown of Kansas City, Missouri, Johnny, welcome to Startup yeah. Hustle. Matt, so happy to be here, man. It's really cool to see Startup Hustle out of the KC ecosystem. Been watching what you've been doing for a while, and it's an honor to be on your show. Well, I appreciate you coming. You've uh, you've you've done the city well with your success and your support. And uh, for those of you that are unaware, Homerooms a Y Combinator backed residential real estate marketplace that simplifies remote investing and streamlines affordable renting. And you know, with that, Johnny, why don't we start today's conversation with uh, with a little bit about the backstory of what brought you to to where we're at at, at livehomeroom.com. At livehomeroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Um, I started my career in the Silicon Valley in 2007 uh, and started remote real estate investing in 2008. Uh, bought a home in Midland, Texas, home of Friday Night Lights, and worked for some startups and some tech companies um, in finance, financial planning, forecasting, strategy. Um, around 2015, I realized that as kind of a lot of us have realized, housing was getting way more unaffordable every day. And I was getting uh, my career is progressing, but I was like, when am I going to be able to buy a house in San Francisco? And it's like, maybe never. So I pivoted True. to, real, yeah. And I, I'd worked with some startups. I was excited about it, but really I wanted to get into real estate investing. Cause I saw that as like a, an avenue for me to kind of like jump up wealth wise. So I could eventually live with my friends, buy a house in the, you know, close by. Uh, so I moved to Austin 2015 um, and did um, real estate investing basically full time. I bought a home, you know, super lot, a lot of leverage, um, and ended up running out each prop, uh, each room individually because I could get more rent, uh, about 50% more than I would have gotten if I rented out as a single family home. So I ended up doing that two more times in Austin. Um, and so I had a little portfolio. I was running my own properties and I shared how it was going. It was a little crazy, you know, roommate housing is a little 
different, I guess you could say. Uh, but, but the returns are really good. And some of my friends in the bear are like, how do we do this? Because it seems like it's a great idea. And I said, I no idea, man, good luck. Um, around 2018, I realized like, Hey, I need, I want to move to Kansas city. I think the ecosystem there is, you know, I'd heard good things. I think it's a good ecosystem for real estate investing. And so I came here to do more real estate investing for myself. Um, but it kind of dawned on me, well, what if I kind of combine my startup background, technology, product experience, and this real estate investing piece and offer it to other people so they can buy homes and rent them out remotely. So that led to me starting Homeroom in 2018. Um, and here we are today. Uh, we were, you know, we've seed funded, Y Combinator backed. Uh, we've had some really, we've built a really good team. We're in 11 different metros in the United States. And so now we enable real estate investors to buy these homes. Um, from anywhere in the country and in the world, we do podcasts globally now as well. Interesting. So yeah. with the with you know with what you guys are doing at Homeroom now, just to clarify this because we unpacked a lot of stuff there, and and yeah, that frustration of living in those expensive markets is is mm -hmm. real. You know, having uh, we Indeed. have clients and guests and you know people that say, "Oh, you're in Kansas City," and they're like, "What's that like?" I'm like, "It's cheap. It's affordable." Yeah. It's cheap. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's affordable is a better word. I like the word affordable. Yeah, I'm catching myself on my own crap there because no, it's, it's, I mean, it's not necessarily cheap. cheap, cheap. It's not like brittle and going to fall over. But compared uh, to, well, there's some things in San Francisco that might be brittle and fall over that you'll still pay millions of dollars for, and that's a that's a struggle. Yeah, I mean, I bought my house in Kansas City for under two hundred thousand. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, like in the Bay at the time, if you're you're, you're looking at one point five, you know. No, so it's, you uh, find, yeah, you can't find a closet for in out there yeah. for two hundred grand. So you can't. All right. So when, when it comes to you now, when we talk about the uh, the remote investment piece of this, like, so clarify this for me. So you've got you've got the ability to 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 lease a room, lease a house, or invest in a property. What's the convenience or what's the benefit of using Homeroom as opposed to me just going and buying a place and renting it out? Yeah. Um, you know, I, Austin, um, a friend of mine, um, who runs a similar company, uh, or he says, you know, anyone can do this, but most people probably have better uses of their time. Right. So, um, you know, there's a number of things that someone in our, in a marketplace like ours, that does better, right. We have, we are able to attract tenants at a super high velocity, right? Okay. So your property will perform better. Um, we have 24 seven, a leasing team globally, they're always on. We also have a proprietary technology platform that will actually allow people to self check out of their leasing process. So that, so that, that is the demand side of the marketplace that we're creating. And then, so if you come in as a supply side, being the property investor, someone with a home, um, the, your property is just going to perform a lot better. And generally we're going to pay for our, ourselves. Right. And so you're going to have way less stress and make more money, which is a pretty good deal. Yeah, I've had, you know, over the years, I've had a lot of, I've owned rental homes. It's been a long time. I mean, I did all right mm -hmm. with them because I actually, I'm old enough at this point that I had them before what most people call the housing bubble in 2007 <laughs> and 2008. So, you know, I yeah. bought some kind of levered into a couple houses and managed to sell, they, they doubled in value over like three years. I was like, wow, okay, I should sell now because I didn't feel it was sustainable and it wasn't. And haven't Smart really move. gone back to that space for some of the reasons that you mentioned, because, you know, there's um, I think that real estate investing is very accessible to a lot of people. And it's a great way to create a lot of wealth, especially over, you know, it's that OPM, other people's money 
uh, kind of factor. But, you know, for me, when I, when I look at myself and I'm busy, I got 10 million things going on. And then, you know, it's, sure. it's, it's, it's not as much as like the, the, Hey, here's the house you want to rent it. Here's the paper, sign it. It's the shit that goes on in the middle, man. You know, like my yeah. faucet's broken, my back doors, <laughs> you know, the sprinkler broke or the house flooded or something like that. And, you know, I think of, I have a hard time even keeping up with that stuff at the house that I live in, much less. Yeah. The, the responsibility of, of needing to do it for people that, you know, are, are renting. So that, that's pretty cool. Now. Yeah. You know, no one what, wants, no one wants more chores, right? It's like, right. when you get right. into investing, you kind of want it to be quiet, like just right. make more well, money. Yes. So. Well, for yeah. real estate investing. Yeah. I think when yeah, it comes yeah. to coming, you talk about like investing in startups and stuff like that. And sure. Myself and a lot of other people on this show are, I, I'm in, and I've done more investment and stuff like that, but if it's something I don't understand or can't add any value to, I pass every time because sure. I just, it's, you know, it's like not really my strong, strong suit. So there's a lot of yeah. opportunities out there. Now, now with that, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, let's talk about YC a little bit because, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what was that process like? I think a lot of people will find that to be interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's a whirlwind. I think, you know, I think, you know, people will ask, like, is it a good idea to do YC to me, you know, every once in a while on LinkedIn? And the answer for me is always a resounding yes. Uh, obviously, pretty difficult to get into. But, you know, the whole, they pre- there's a, st- a st- to get in, you've got to fill out a form, then you've got to do an interview. And it's like an eight minute interview. We have to pitch your startup to like Mike, you know, the head of YC or one of the, the partners. And that that process of preparation, I think, is good for any startup. Right. I think our startup got way better just prepping for YC because we didn't get in the first time we applied. We got in the second. And so the preparation got us to think about metrics that matter. And like this is, you know, investors have metrics they like and usually for darn good reason. And so you start to fill out those forms. Techstars is similar, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, OK, maybe I should start pointing in this direction. So I'd recommend everyone try to get into Accelerator, even if you're like choose not to get any if they offer it to you. Um Getting in was like a startup summer camp, like on steroids. It was so fast. Um, you know, you're you're basically pre- it's a three month program. Um, you're you have hundred, a couple hundred batchmates. You get to make cool connections. Uh, they are presenting to you constantly, and we were a bit later stage than the typical startup. We had a bit more revenue, so we were going to try to raise at a pretty lofty seed round valuation. So there was like fundraising prep, basic startup prep. You got to like hear from like the Airbnb founders, all these days. So it's a lot of really cool pieces. And it takes like a month or two after you're done to process all of what you experienced. But the best part is the relationships you keep, right? You know, we're in a Slack group with our YC prop tech group folks. So we like chat all the time about the crazy real estate market and we support each other when Silicon Valley Bank had the issues. And so it, that that's really, I think the biggest value is connecting with really, um, uh, folks that are kind of in a similar stage as you. Had you, uh, the, my notes show that you've raised a couple million dollars in capital. Did that come after YC? Uh, we've raised six. We just haven't really announced, like okay. we didn't announce our seed round publicly. So and did some of that come after YC though? Yeah. During the, the YC, um, it's pretty cool. They, they basically, they have demo day, which is uh, pretty, um, widely known. So they recommend you raise before demo day because it kind of mm-hmm. creates like this urgency and a time box for investors. Um, so yeah, we raised 4 million in about three weeks. 
um, yeah, before demo data and, and, and add yeah, demo data. follow up with that is that, well, it kind of, I think that kind of answered it because a lot of, you know, one of the things that I've talked to a lot of early stage people and you mentioned kind of like, where's your startup at? I think you're spot on with the, the fundraising and just even the, just the presentation process about your business. So one of the things that I do locally is I'm actually startup hustles involved with the Kansas city economic development corporation. And, hmm. um, you know, that's gone through some pivots and changes over the years, but they have a demo day of sorts and they're currently giving grant recipient, you know, giving, they give out $50,000 grants and, I work with those grant recipients to help them get their one minute elevator pitch down and bro, they show up and, and Hey, for any of y'all that are listening, this is out of love, but your pitch sucked <laughs> when you showed up. Right. And so like a lot of that is, is, you know, and trying to correct that amongst like five to seven companies and two hours is tough, oh, but you know, but some of that is, you know, and so there's the thing is so you mentioned like eight minutes is a lot, a lot of time, but one minute's nothing. And so people get up and they'll be like, yeah. hi, my name is Matt DeCourcy. And I'd like to thank everybody here for blah, 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 blah. And you just see everybody's eyes glaze over. They go back to the bar, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and, and by the time you're through half of that, like you're, you're through half of it. So, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta really get people's attention right away. I think that that sure. whole, that fundraising process too is, um, it's almost kind of like getting roasted a little bit, you know, cause the, yeah. You know, it, it can be brutal in that regard. And you got to have some thick skin around it, but people are going to point out the open flaws that you often have. And I think it's good for people to hear that. And I think the thing that you really want to take out of that is you want to listen for, I always say, listen for the echo. And that means that like mm. it's the same thing, like at your business, whether you're giving a pitch <laughs> to an investor or it's your clients or your users or your employees, when it starts to sound like an echo, Whatever that feedback is, that's probably what you should be addressing, and that can yeah. that can be a yeah, I think, I think, yeah. Uh, and I, I was actually it's kind of funny. I was talking to my sister yesterday. She just started a business. Um, she's doing interior design and construction, kind of remodeling work for people in in Tennessee. And she was saying, you know, I showed it to someone and they were very critical. And I was like, you know, welcome. To, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but also like welcome to business because yeah you know, the iterative process of getting and YC starts, they start with a two sentence description. That's your first piece. So, and that took us four freaking weeks of the partners telling us it sucked like publicly, you have to read it every week to your group. Then they'd be like, that was garbage. Like, can you, Did like, you ah. say stands or sentences? Two sentences, two okay. sentences. So <laughs> they, ours those is, could be your sins as well. Oh who yeah. Who are, your two sins? yeah. who are your two sins? Yeah. So it's ours is, um, we help, um, we help investors buy remotely and rent out each room separately and they make 50. And, and, we, and so like, that's like the, the gist of what our two cents description became, but it took like, uh, you know, 2000 critiques. And to the point that one of the partners, like you guys just need to figure this out. Right. They, they're very patient. They work with you, but at some point they're like, you guys just need to get in a room and figure this out. And, you know, as an English minor. Right. So it, it's not like words are, I'm not super amazing, but I'm, um, super amazing is not good words, but, um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny after, after I said it. So, um, so yeah, it, the, the iteration around the clarity of what you do and your main value prop is so important and you could, it feels like it should be quick, but it should take you a long time and a lot of effort. 
Because if you can get that just right, your whole pitch, your whole seed round pitch, your whole VC pitch will go a thousand X better. So I look at like the five year history I've got with, with full scale. And like, I've spent a lot of time, effort, attention, shortening, you know, things. And that's kind of back to that advice I was saying about the people that are mm-hmm. giving the elevator pitch. It's like, it was just too verbose, you know, it was like, yes. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, people, it's amazing how many people really struggle to explain what the hell it is they do. And, you know, and that's the thing. So like at full scale, we build software teams quickly and affordably one sentence, you know, but, but dude, it took a little while to get down to that, you know? And then like some of it's also just having that confidence to understand that those are the words that describe what you do. And, and, and it really is like the more straightforward and descriptive you can be. Cause I'll tell you what, man, I've actually sat through people that pitching us for investment and you 10 minutes, 12 minutes in, and you finally, you're like, so what do you do? You know, and that, that's what you're trying yeah. to avoid. That's really what you're trying to avoid. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, the, the, your two-sentence description in your first minute is your foundation for your whole pitch. Yeah. If people are lost, yep. some VCs will just be like, I don't know what you do. YC will say that to you. I don't oh, know yeah. what you do. Can you oh, yeah. yeah. Like, but polite people may not and then they'll just zone out and like yeah. start thinking about like their vacation in Cabo in like three weeks. I had, so a, you, you, I had a VC yeah. friend of mine say something to me once. He was like, I'm sitting through pitches. I'm like, how is that going? And he goes, he goes, if they get 10% of my attention right now, they're doing pretty well. And, but that's, <laughs> but it's a key point. Cause like, we're all like that as people. So lead with the need. Yes. You know what I mean, that is the number one thing that I tell the, the, the elevator pitch people like lead with the need. Like you got to get someone's attention right away. It's, it's the same thing with yeah. like, you know, the social, the hook on your social media or the chorus of a cool song, but you got to get people's attention. And, you know, like, and like, and I, I'd take a stab at like what you do. I'd be like, are, if you're, have you ever wanted to be a rental homeowner, but you're frustrated with the process of managing the tenants or filling the units? We have a solution for that. You know, something like that is not bad. If I'm interested, that's at least now I'm listening. But if you make someone yeah. go through a bunch of babble and dribble on the way to yeah. that, eyes glazed 10% at best of the attention. And it's just really tough. And then yeah, our, we ended up just throwing it down to, we help investors make 50% more rent. Real estate oh. investors make 50% more rent. And so like, it kind of like sets the stage, like, okay, we should pay it. Oh, what, what, how, right. So you kind of set the hook, you explain yep. it with that second description I already said. Yeah. And, and then you're kind of like ready to go. Right. Yeah. Um, now people want to unwrap, unpeel the story of what you do. Um, it's so hard to let go though. You want to put more information in. you feel like more information is better, right? That's, I think that's a classic fundraising deck pitch deck messaging concept is you, you just try to put more in. Maybe more will get me more impact. The truth is do you lots, want to peel everything lots. away except for the, except for the five things that make the most impact, but there should be nothing else. Right. And so that's the most difficult part is honing it all the way down into basically nothing but the very most important stuff. So. Yeah. And, and then, you know, another thing too, with, uh, whether it's to an investor and especially when you're talking to prospects, clients, or users, you got to remember that people buy the benefits of what your product or service offers, not the features. The features are secondary mm-hmm. and features don't mean anything No, unless you, and, and so I always just say FAB features, advantages, benefits. If you, if you mention a feature, you need to, what's the advantage of that? And don't assume that people know. 
don't assume that whoever you're talking to actually just gets it. Because, you know, I just went through the same thing yesterday. I was talking to our head of software development and we were talking about GitHub's Copilot, which is, you mm-hmm. know, an autocomplete. And it's and and it's he and he mentioned something to me yeah. and like we were focused on like three key ingredients for basically like speed, quality and, you know, like accuracy. And he said, yeah, and this also would make someone that isn't super experienced see i'm using super experience those are great words john you <laughs> super put them together, it's powerful as hell man but yeah we're but talking still, about we're talking but, about clarity and simplicity of language yeah. it's harder so, in free free form right it's harder oh sure free yeah form. well that's where we're conversating <laughs> hey hey for anyone yeah. listening if you don't like today's show we'll give you your money back there you go we'll give it all back we've yeah, had a money all. back guarantee here at startup we haven't yeah. anybody take us up on it yet but yeah so <laughs> but with that like he brought he pointed out and he said well this could also make people more versatile and i was like whoa mm. and i hadn't even honestly i hadn't even considered that so like, yeah, you get it, you look at like developers and all the myriad things that they need to do. And, you know, it's hard to find if you have five things in your tech stack, here's the thing, it, unless they are the five most common things out there, and then it's still hard to find one person that's good at all of them. So if you can fill in those little gaps, like, oh, wow, that really made a lot of sense. So, but it was yeah. by describing the benefit, even do people with subject matter expertise, it's important. So don't assume that people know the benefit of what you're doing. Now, I will tell you a benefit mm-hmm. of going to fullscale.io is that we make finding expert software developers not that difficult, especially when you go to fullscale.io, you just have to fill out a couple minutes worth of questions and our platform matches you up with available testers, developers, leaders, a whole lot of stuff. We make it fast, simple, and affordable, fullscale.io. While you're in the show notes, clicking that, click the livehomeroom.com link as well. Now, Johnny, you know, we're talking about the future of remote investing. Why, why do you believe that you're, you're going to lead, lead us into that? What's, what's, the, what's the benefit of, other than the 50%? <laughs> Fifty percent more rent isn't enough for you, Matt. Come on, that's it. That's um, a, I'm paying attention. Ten percent. All right, that's all I needed. That's, actually, that, I'm at like nineteen. I'm at nineteen and a half. <laughs> that see, I'm I'm double what what needs to happen, right? So, you know, the our two value props are really you're going to make more money, right? Which is in investing usually a good thing. Um, and, and the other one is going to be stupid simple, right? And so you're going to be able to come in and. We'll walk you the full process. We'll connect you to the lender, um, the 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 um, insurance. We'll connect you with everything, right? As well as the real estate agent in the field. We also have a data science team, and we'll do the underwriting on the deal, right? When you're renting out rooms, there's no national database of kind of. So you know, we have we we've kind of built out this whole thing to maximize returns and kind of shore it up and build data and tech all around it. So, but I mean. If zooming out, kind of like looking at just real estate investing generally, um, you know, one of the things I did when in like 2014, before I moved to Austin, 2015, I was like saying, okay, I'm kind of in a hole. I'm not, you know, I don't have enough money to buy this house. There's a wealth gap for me personally. And the question is, how do I bridge that gap? So as a finance person, I, I ran numbers on stocks you know, uh, crypto, although that might've been a good idea. So maybe I missed there, um, real estate. And I, and I found that the, from a like kind of a risk adjusted basis that real estate was 
the most the pound for pound best performer if you're using leverage and good interest rates, right? Because it's had a massive track record of in, of increasing in value, and then you can lever it up with with the down payment five to one, right? So it ends up making your returns much better in the stock market, but also much more predictable. So a lot it's finance based. We layer on a model that makes you make more money, and then we make it really easy for investors. So that's really kind of homeroom's kind of mission and kind of what we're doing. Um, you, know, you're, you didn't use this phrase, but you're selling my favorite intangible benefit, which is peace of mind. Mm. Like, you know, and so I'm, I'm a couple years away from being 50 at this point. I'm not old. I'm experienced. Right. But um, <laughs> I've really learned as a, as a salesperson and a builder of businesses that when you can deliver peace of mind, like, dude, it's, it's, it's somewhat priceless, you know, cause without peace so of mind, without peace of mind, nothing else has much flavor. And, you know, that's, there's a, there's yeah. a, there's an element to that in, in any product or service offering, if it's there, it makes it sticky. It's like sticky, sticky. Cause you know, if you think about it and like, I think that at certain points in all of our lives, we're like, Oh, cool. You know, 50% sounds great. I love that. That's an awesome return. But, but realistically, if, if I lose peace of mind to get it, I'm not buying. Right. Yeah, I would I actually to come home early from vacation or, yeah. you know, I'm going to be checking my phone every day to make sure that like, right. you know, my portfolio yeah. didn't crash, you know? Yeah. Right. So some of that, you know, so like with that peace of mind, and that's where I think a lot of like, quote, like managed services type companies and, and things sure. that streamline stuff like, like live homeroom and, and, and all that is like, you know, is, is, is important. And, you know, cause hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, I was, I give you an example when I, so I have 300 employees in the Philippines and I went and so I'm there like six to eight weeks a year. I'm tired of staying in hotels. I looked at buying a condo in the IT park where we're hmm. at. And, uh, one of the guys that I work with over there was like, well, dude, you could Airbnb it when you're not around. And I was like, man, he's like, why not? I was like, cause because over there, they'd be like 40 <laughs> bucks a day. And I'm like, it just doesn't feel worth it. You know, like sure. that could destroy my peace of mind. Like I need a couple more zeros to trail the, to trail in that transaction. And, you know, so yeah. that wasn't really that, but, but if that could be out of, out of touch, out, you know, out of sight, out of mind, I know some people that do that with, with different rental properties where they just kind of, they're just kind of hands off on it. And, you know, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's really like a, you know, a um psychology of investing or psychology of money, right? Like there's there's the the pure numbers view of how much money you put in, how much money you get out, right? But but if you don't include the human aspect, like I think in any sort of product or serv that is offering returns, is I think you're missing a big component, right? And we actually run into that a lot with investors. There's a lot of people we talk to that are like the idea of buying a property hundreds of miles away sounds like a terrible idea. Like what if something goes wrong, right? It just seems intuitively complicated. Also houses have like a lot of parts, right? And so, but we, we know the numbers of real estate are really good, right? I think generally people think if you ask someone on the street, like is real estate a good investment? Most people would be like, yeah, I think it's like pretty much, yeah, universally. Yeah. But like eventually, the, the, right, right. eventually, right? Yeah. Eventually, maybe not in 2007, but it, it's really like, how do you, maximize it and then how do you make it easy right and like so th those are that's really like the two things that we're trying to tackle and 
we have a lot, very little peace of mind at all because we're in the trenches every day. We have like 1300 roommate tenants and that's bananas. But like the goal is that all that noise just gets like completely quelched. And then the investor just gets like money and then they just were like, great. And that's it. Like if they have any questions, they send it to us or nice chippy, you know, uh, success team. It helps them like answer questions. Right. And so that's, you know, that's, that's crucial. I think it's really, really important, especially in real estate, which is complicated or anything else that's pretty dynamic and has a lot of pieces like that. So yeah, in your case, people are making investments in software, right? And so it's a dynamic thing to manage an engineering team. And so in a way you're doing something very similar. Well, the peace of mind we saw at full scale is, you know, so like, here's the reality is there are, uh, if you're going to hire, so there's this huge shortage of software developers in the United States. And as entrepreneurs, we will go find what we need wherever it is that we need to go find it. And if that happens to be offshore, which here's the thing, man, there are smart, talented people worldwide. You got to know how to Mm -hmm. find them and then, and then create a culture that keeps them around. And Mm -hmm. so we only hire about one in 35 applicants. So people will, Mm -hmm. and we're pretty upfront, like we're not the cheapest solution because we're not cheap. We don't do cheap things. So we're affordable. You know, that's why we shouldn't have used the word cheap earlier, but, but like affordable is like <laughs> people use these words interchangeably and they are very, very different. So like the peace of mind that you get when you hire full scale is that we got rid of the 34 candidates you didn't want. And dude, we are disciplined about that. Like, I mean, if it's even bo- a borderline is a no. Like there's no, like we don't squeeze the strike zone outward, you know? And so some of that is, and so that's a peace of mind. And then also, like you mentioned, like buying a property that's really far away. We have management and other things that go on in the background that, I don't know, man, if your clients can't be successful using your services, then you're not going to be successful. So you got to focus on that. And that's a really important thing. It's the same thing with like, Mm -hmm. with apps, like you talk about peace of mind. And then some people build software that's confusing as hell to work. Like I'm just an onboarding nut. Like that's why you hear me. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you really can go to fullscale.io, click hire developers, and if you can get through that in under a minute. I say two minutes because if you're slow. But you know, but that's the thing. <laughs> you don't want to make you people know? feel so, bad yeah. if they take you know minute well, forty five. Yeah. yeah, you well race through, race through, and and you're in there. But people <laughs> want things like it, we're in this. We're in this like reels and stories microwave culture now. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. Amazon started changing that game and it's same day deliveries. I ordered something last night at 10 PM and it was on my porch this morning. I was like, Whoa, that's really fast. I don't even think I, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was fast. I, you know, you know what I had to order of all weird shit. So I had to order three owl decoys like owls. Yeah. At my dad's house, there is apparently a large bird of prey that is catching things in and around the pond near the golf course that he lives on. And there are like carcasses on his deck. Like there's like, it's the weirdest thing, bro. There's like a giant catfish (laughs) skeleton. I'm like, what? Yeah, so apparently you got to put up I mean, owl, owl decoys. I mean, God bless, God bless Amazon because like I don't know where you'd go to get an owl decoy if you had to otherwise. Probably right? shields. I think that any that well, might be a good yeah, place. You're probably yeah, right. you're probably you're probably right about that. Yeah, but it, I, it wouldn't. I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. I wouldn't be like. Yeah, definitely a sporting goods store. Something, kind of a, but yeah. I don't know if they have owls. They might have ducks and everything else. Yeah, I found a duck <laughs> yeah. carcass too. I'm like, this has got to stop. So yeah. Anyway, I digress. Wow. Uh, yeah. So by the way, if you are renting out homes, 
or doing yeah. anything with that, make sure you don't end up with all the things I just described on your deck. It's probably not. Maybe you just add a, a, a fake owl to every rental property. I bought three. Just, just, I bought three. Just, that's because that's the way I roll, bro. I wasn't going to get one. I'm going to put like a whole team of those <laughs> things up and see what happens. I, I, I had a, Matt, I had a kind of a, a, a note about what you're talking about, about outsourcing talent. I, I think, and it sort of ties into the way you talked about software engineers using, um, HubSpot Copilot and make it more versatile. I think we're, we, we use a lot of overseas talent. We have a team in the Philippines this has been mm-hmm. our class. We've been our biggest team, fairly large team in Argentina. Mm-hmm. We have some team members in Venezuela and Mexico. Um, so it's a, you know, pretty, Oh, and oh, Europe and middle East. Um, and our engineers are in Vietnam. So we're kind of global. One thing we're seeing that's like pretty magical is that OpenAI is actually making our employees who are all pretty good at English, like suddenly able to do customer facing messaging. Yeah. It's making them more versatile. So it, you basically you basically bridge a gap where we globally we know the skills are at a super high level, but there's like a there's the challenge is sort of like you gotta like process it through a management layer with you know native fluency to make it clean and clear sometimes well now that like it's sort of changing and so it's making that globalization i think it's moving it even faster so i think it's very a very very cool thing it's exciting to see you know and yeah, we're, um, we're really we're big believers and so when we went and set up full scale one of the things that um was that echo that we heard was that people were working at places where they're doing uninspired shit they were using mm-hmm. terrible equipment and they just didn't really like, they weren't really treated that well. So like that, mm. I mean, it was so obvious. So we just did the opposite, you know? And like, mm. and if you, if you are wanting anybody, whether it's a software developer or a carpenter or a bricklayer or anyone to build you something of quality, you need to give them the right tools. And, you know, and you look at like open AI, like that's why we're sitting there like testing Copilot because Here's the thing. And for those of you that might not be familiar, like a, a, a missing semicolon in your code can break your shit. I mean, right. it can be that simple. Like, <laughs> and I'll go back over the years. I've been building software and stuff for a long time. And I'm like, what was the problem? They're like, oh, there's an error on line 6093 missing semicolon. I'm like, what? You know, and so some of those things, you look at those tools to make people like, you know, do it faster um, higher quality. And then like, yeah. and that, that subcategory of that accuracy. And then there's a level of confidence too. Cause you know, like if you've ever been around software developers, if they're not confident about what they're about to push, they're sitting there mm. going, uh, should I push this? <laughs> and, you know, cause they don't want to let things down, but there's that. And, and by the way, all the things that I just mentioned are peace of mind. They really yeah. are. They really are. So, yeah, and, I, and yeah. you're right about like the open AI, like just the, you know, so Google Translate, I've traveled all over the world to many of the places that you mentioned as well. And like Google Translate, people ask me, they're like, are you going to learn to speak Filipino? First off, Filipino isn't a language. That's not yeah. what they call it. <laughs> but probably not because, you know, like, I mean, there's all these tools that make it, you know, like you can put the Google, Google Translate on the camera of your iPhone. I think it's probably on the, I'm assuming on Android as well, but you can hold, hold your, hold, hold it up at a sign. I was in Belarus holding that shit up at signs. And I was like, whoa, it was like, yeah. you know, sh- tell me what it said in English. And, 
And that, you know, that's important. And, ha- and if you can't communicate, if you want to, you talk about remote anything, if the lines of communication are crap, then the output's probably going to be crap. Yeah. I, um, cause our, you know, I, I was writing a note back to, uh, one of our lead engineer in Vietnam and I just threw it in chat GBT and also told it to him and the team in Vietnamese, cause he can speak English very well. But yeah. The team can't. And so, and our CTO speaks both. And so he was like, oh, that was pretty, that was pretty money. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so, so it's also helping me, right. To kind of, uh, communicate better. So in both directions, like language barriers are falling, coding language barriers are falling. So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. And it's funny because people keep saying, I keep people say, oh, is this going to replace software engineers? I mean, that is a long way away if that ever happens, because it's not like the I love the idea of the speed and the accuracy of the code coming out because like, you know, being able to produce models, find libraries, answer questions, debug things. You know, big thing is like is unit testing. You know, and things like that. I'm like, why don't software developers like writing unit tests? Was well, just more code to write, and then you got to maintain it. And it's so, like, a- AI does a lot of the things that you know, and so does machine learning. All this uh, uh, that most people just don't want to do themselves, and we should thank it for mm-hmm. that because it's usually a lot of thankless crap. And yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it basically is able to, you know, in kind of like uh, the way that our CTO talks about it is like. If you're not a great writer, it's hard for you to generate code using Copilot and knowing if it's the code, the, the exact right code you need, right? So it's it can make someone that's good way more prolific and productive, but I think it can be, and it can help someone that's new, but it can't make someone that's new good and prolific, right? So there's still that skills gap where you have to understand what's happening underneath the surface. But I mean, man, our we have we're using copilot with all of our engineers and the production production is is moving up which is super awesome so yeah super well that's awesome. that peace of mind too it's like yeah. no one wants to push things live and then you find so we we've had this rule and uh, i because we provide services for so many companies i can't make rules for them but you don't you don't push an update on a friday you know, it's just like no. if you're listening <laughs> stop doing that because it's a great way it's a great way to ruin your weekend tuesdays you know? are good yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, like those are like, <laughs> yeah. So give yourself some time in there, but, but back to that peace of mind, you know, having things that, that debug and do a lot of different stuff. And there are, yeah, uh, you know, I, I like that versatility piece. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. there's someone having a little more confidence in it. So, all right. So here we are at, at another episode of startup hustle that, that breezed right on by today's show is brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably go to fullscale.io. Once again, it only takes, it, it only takes Johnny one minute and 45 seconds or less to fill out the form certified, yeah. verified, um, kind of, uh, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Have you, I'll go, I'll go, te- I'll go test myself. Point? I'm going to break, I'm going to break records, man. Break yeah, hey, there you go. I, dude, I've had so many people do it in like moments because it's all it's all about quick, easy. But yeah, I like to end my episodes of Startup Hustle with founders and with the Founder Freestyle and give everybody a chance to say their closing remarks or statements. And, uh, you know, Johnny, I guess it's time for that. And, I'll, uh, and I will follow you up, sir. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing... Um, that I kind of want to touch on real quick is just, you know, we, we talk about homeroom. It's like, we're in, you know, all these places. And like the one part of the journey I kind of breezed right through 
was like 2018 to like 2021, right? Because it's like we got into Y Combinator in 2021. We got we raised money. All this, all these things happened. But from 2018 to 2020, when you know it was, it was an absolutely brutal grind. We we basically had 120 thousand dollars that I took out of my personal retirement account. We burned through it in like three months, um, and then we just then I just did it in my basement for a year and a half, right, um, with one other guy. So I, I I think like if you're going to start something, there's the the number of Instagram stories there are out there where it's like 12 months later to exit is just so few. And the number of times where it's, you're going to go, you're going to be like at about 20 times where you probably should shut the business down are very high. And so I think it's really about like understanding that on the other side of like very close to failure can be like a much better time. And then we're having, we're having you, then you have more tough times even after successes. So I, I think that's really like, a crucial thing that I want to make sure that when I talk about all the good stuff and how great it is and whatever, it's like, it wasn't great most of the time. Right. So if you're start, if you have a company now and you're feeling like, gosh, I don't want to keep doing this, you can make improvements every day and stack them up and you can be in a much better place in two years. If you just stick to making improvements consistently over time. Did that you say you have a stuff. podcast as well? Uh, yeah, we have a, yes, we do. What's it called? Uh, homeroom investing. There you go. I'm, I'm assuming yep. you can find out all the places that podcasts are found. Correct. Which are many, 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 there's many. A few, there's a few. There's a yeah. few. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a few, a few things to unpack here. I think we went over some important things when it comes to just the, the reality of like fundraising. And, you know, I'm going to go back. I don't want to just highlight my own shit, but I'm going to say that like the peace of mind thing is real. Like if you can figure out what part of your service or product, like whatever it does, whatever, it, whatever it is that you do, if it generates peace of mind, like find a way to focus on that. Cause that really will kind of melt the price, the price objections away. Uh, I think you're a hundred percent accurate with the, you know, you, you mentioned like the story this dude, I don't know anybody that out exits after 12 months. Like yeah. there's a couple I mean, people it, out there. And by the way, they're small when they do. They're pretty, they're pretty dinky exits, like it's as far as things go. But you know, when it comes to building a company, it's just like it's uh you're you're eating an elephant. You gotta go after that thing one bite at a time and maybe start with the tail, you know, like just in and mm -hmm. any I think that we portray this Hollywood and social media a lot of times portray this like world of, of home run hitters that just get up and hit grand slams every time. Well, here's the thing for someone to hit a grand slam, a couple other people had to, had to, had to get a base hit, maybe had to get hit by a pitch, had to get walked. And then, you know, then you get a chance to hit it out, but you got to get runners on base before you even hit a grand slam. And, yeah. and so much about entrepreneurship isn't home runs. It is sacrifice bunts and taking pitches and being patient on some days and patience isn't exactly my strong suit um, which can also be a benefit <laughs> yeah, yeah. though can also be a benefit because sure. as far as selling goes like i ask for the sale you know i don't mm. i don't I, i'm not sitting around and waiting three weeks for you to maybe get back to me when you forgot about me you know 20 days ago because i didn't follow up quickly so you know there's i think and I think the main thing is just continue to work on getting the people involved with your organization, whether it's co-founders or employees or partners or anything that have, that have you in mind and want to move things forward like passion and passion will wash away 
so much of the dreary feelings on many days. It's like an antidote for the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And I think the last thing I'll put in there is if you're thinking about starting a business or doing or getting involved with one, if you're not passionate about it, I want to really, really encourage you to sit back and think about it for a while because you'll probably quit. I mean, it's, it's, you know, yeah. If, because there, because like, as you mentioned, there's, I talk about that in my book, million dollar bedroom that I, I call it the coin toss moment. <laughs> hey, let's just flip a coin and see if we're going to do this anymore. And you run into that with every business. Like there's a moment where, you know, you kind of mentioned, I would you're say like, a ton of moments. Yeah. <laughs> I have moments. a two headed quarter for some of those, but you know, it's like at nice. the same time, it's like, there is that, yeah. that's a reality. And and entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's brutal, dude. It's, uh, it has, yeah, it, man. it has a lot of, but it has a lot of ups too. Like, a, you know, sure. like when you get it right and you're making a difference in your life, your employees, lives, your clients, users, whatever. And you know, yeah, like th- th- that's a, a really good feeling. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely orders of magnitude more fulfilling than work. I, than working at a, a bank. Like I, that, was, that was my least favorite job ever. The money, the, the money I, the money I made, there was the most I ever made and the benefit, everything was great, but like it was by f- the, the, the currency of fulfillment was super low because it was just like, but, but in startup land, the currency is usually low, but, and eventually can get better. But the fulfillment I think can be really awesome, especially if it's something that you believe in, like our secret formula to what we're doing is to provide affordable housing on the, the, the demand side. Right. And so we're, the team is really passionate about that. And so it's fulfilling to feel like we're doing that. So I, I think that that's pretty special, but you know, it's, it doesn't always pay the bills and it definitely doesn't mean you don't go through moments where you're like, this was a huge mistake and I wish I could go back in time and just stay working at the bank sometimes. So, but, uh, it's, and that's where we're going to end the show, man. I'll catch up <laughs> down the road for an update. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.